I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Melissa Pritzielos, a business owner, lifestyle coach, and certified Kanmari consultant. Melissa, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. What led you to get involved with KonMari and what is your role? So I have a business edit by Melissa where I go into people's houses and I use the KonMari method to help them obtain their ideal lifestyle. Before having kids, I was a reading specialist where I worked with children with language-based learning disabilities, such as dyslexia. I began to realize how nailing down procedures and expectations in the beginning of the year was paramount to the success of my students. So I found myself working closely with the parents to help them kind of mimic the structure of the classroom in their own homes, which led me down the road of Kamari when I first read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up and brought it into my own home. Can you talk a little bit about how you become a certified Kamari consultant? Yes, absolutely. So in March 2019, I signed up for Marie's course. I happened to be up in the middle of the night and I saw that it came, it was live and I just signed up and it sold out within minutes. She takes about 200 people every time. It was three days where she really got into the basics of what Kamari is, but also how to form it as a business. After the course, we had to submit detailed, detailed reports on their website, working with clients in each category. And then that had to be approved. So September 2019, I became an official consultant and I was the seventh consultant in New Jersey. So right now I'm a gold consultant, which means I have over 600 hours of working with clients in their homes. So talk to me about this, because with with our shift to working from home, our home life and our work lives have collided. And now more than ever, it's, it's so important and so valuable to be focused on tidying your space. Can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. So the whole thing with the Kamari method, which helped me is it's not about having a perfect closet so that you can post pictures of it or, you know, having a perfect house. It's actually letting go of the notion of perfection. And during the seminar, they talked about tidying as a self-help practice. You know, the same way we practice yoga or we practice meditation, it's practicing tidying. And the first part of it is kind of visualizing what your ideal lifestyle is. Some people compare it to, you know, KPIs or goals or values or whatever it is, but just visualizing what is it that I want from my life and how can I get there? What's different with Kanmari method is that it's a method. And instead of organizing room by room, you tidy by category. And she suggests that you tidy in one, she calls it a tidying marathon, which is why I stayed home for three weeks and just did this because it's all about shifting the energy in your home or in your space. So instead of putting out small fires every day, like I was doing in the past, drawer by drawer, closet by closet, it's confronting all your stuff all at once. So the first category is clothing. So, you know, you go around your house and your closet and you create a huge pile 
and then you're just faced with your stuff. You don't realize how much you have until you pull from that guest hall closet down the hall that nobody ever goes to, but you've stored your jackets from five years ago that you didn't quite want to get rid of, but you didn't quite know what to do with. It's clothing, books, papers, kimonos, the fourth category, which in Japanese means miscellaneous. So that's like your kitchen, medicine cabinet, laundry room, like anything else, basically. If you have any hobbies, your garage. And then the last category is sentimental items. So if while I'm doing clothes with you, you find a shirt that you're like, oh, this is my shirt from college. I'm not sure, but we'll put that aside for the sentimental category. She wants you to practice making decisions and following your intuition. So by confronting your clutter and making intentional decisions on what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep, you start to create a lifestyle that's very different than just living among all the clutter. It's a really interesting intentional process and it probably has, uh, there's more process to it than a lot of people give credit to. Right. So it's not just holding something does this spark joy, you know, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. She says clutter is often based in fear. It's a conflict between who you think you should be and who you want to be. So if you consider that, and then if you take the time to form your vision and really get in touch with who it is you want to be, it makes that decision easier. So am I now in a space that makes me feel creative and light and free or am I burdened by my possessions? So one of those possessions that piles up for a lot of people is the the physical document, <laughs> the, oh the paper, gosh. the store, the filing cabinets that we have <laughs> seven years of utility bills. I love the filing cabinets. <laughs> I love it when I see it. And some people have such intricate filing systems. It's like, oh my goodness. And you're also going into the houses, you're seeing the different filing systems. Uh, we, we even talk about the way people uh, have bill pay reminders. So some people put, post a note on the floor, they have to step over every day or on their <laughs> computer or on their countertop. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you speak a little bit to the, the, the paper that you've walked into and, and then how how you've helped people declutter in that aspect? Well, what's so funny about when you tidy by category instead of location is what you find. So we might be doing your closet, but I'll find, you know, 20 files. And then the person starts going through them. And I say, no, we're not going to go through the paper yet, you know, because we're doing clothing. So what I start to do is like designate a section of the house for paper And by the time we're done with clothing and books, I'm usually amazed at how much paper has piled up. Yeah. As we're going through the books, there's like bills stuffed into the books or as you're going through your clothes in the pockets or or pocketbooks, briefcases, like documents from like 2004. And they're like, well, I might need it. I'm like, well, it's from 2004 and I don't think you've touched this in years. So do you really need it? I don't know. But anyway, so we make a paper pile too, where we literally pile up either your kitchen or your dining room table with all the paper that we've collected. When people see how much space paper takes up in their house, it's crazy. And, you know, between the books and the papers, it's just so much visual noise. And again, I think it's that people don't know what to do with their paper. They don't know. They think they have to save everything. When in reality, and Marie says in her book, 
discard everything when it comes to paper. <laughs> you really don't need anything. Wow. So she's, she's at the extreme of you don't need any paper. Yes. How do you strike a balance for those who don't want to be strictly digital? Again, it all comes down to your vision and your ideals and what kind of lifestyle you have. You might be a person who enjoys having a filing system and that's fine, but I want you to keep with intention, not because you think you should or because you don't know what else to do with it or you're not sure where to access the information online. You know, so I I work with a lot of people with their paper like some people don't know how to get onto their online account or how to access it. And there's just a lot of fear there. What if, what if I, that question, what if, what if I need it? What if, and you know, well, what if you do need this PSENG statement from 2012? What could you do? So right. I also try to encourage people like sometimes and very rarely you might need something, but maybe that just forces you or gives you the opportunity to be a little creative or to investigate how to find out how to get it. Somebody told the story about they got so into the paper category that they threw away all their diplomas. And then they realized for some credentialing thing, they needed their dipl- a copy of their diploma, but she got another copy and it was fine. There's a lot of fear with paper and holding on to things or needing things. And I really think most things are replaceable or easy to find online, especially nowadays. If we dive into... Um the the bills and statements, which which is a, a topic that we spend a lot of time on in this mm-hmm. podcast. I'd love to hear your top tips for organizing those during a time when the lines between home and office have become more blurred. Well, I say unblur them, number one. Even though we're working from home more, in reality, this has been years coming where people are working from home more and more. And the, those lines have been blurred boundaries are not clear answering emails from the toilet so i really think especially now that so many of us are working from home kids are homeschooled from home creating a space that is a workspace even if it's a chair in the corner of the room somewhere just knowing that that's where your work stuff is where you're going to work really helps you know it's kind of Marie says creating a tidy haven for yourself to enhance your productivity and your joy. I think having that clear division between your work stuff and your home stuff is very important. With all paper, after we go through and there's items to keep, I say keep your paper all in one place so you're not looking all over the house for it. Now, when you have consumers, uh, some that that want to organize and pay their bills strictly digitally. And even then there's there's still a document organization process to not have your desktop covered with icons, right? But then there's also the there's there are the print lovers that 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 only want to interact in print and then there are those in between. Do, can you speak a little bit to tips for each of these three categories of consumers as they think about decluttering? Sure. Just to backtrack a little, Marie Kondo just came out with a new book in um, April, Joy at Work, where she talks a lot about decluttering your digital life. So she talks about your desktop and your computer, treating it basically the way you would treat your physical space. Do you want it cluttered with a million different files? You know, when you log onto your computer and it comes up, 
Does it inspire you or does it make you feel bogged down? So really being intentional about the full, the folders and the files you keep on your actual desktop. She says for pe- most people, digital life has three main parts. It's your actual digital documents, such as your reports, your presentations, spreadsheets, emails, and then your smartphone apps. So, you know, I think with digital stuff, it's so easy to just save everything because we don't physically see it until we completely lose control over the technology that's supposed to be helping us. Does that make sense? It it does. And I I think about my own organization um, faux pas where I'll have a sort folder because I just don't, in, in the moment, I don't have time to think about where to put it. But then the sort Mm -hmm. folder becomes so onerous that you just don't end up even filing in the end. Right. Or like the email box that has 50,000 emails in it. (laughs) You don't even want to look at it anymore. Is that a good example of where a true devotee would empty their email box on a daily basis? Are you talking about inbox zero? I I mean, I don't, I'm not an inbox zero person. I mean, that's when I'm dead. (laughs) my inbox will be zero, right? It's just impossible. I really try to move things out of my email folder whenever necessary. I I find that a lot of my clients spend most of their days responding to emails. I'll be working with people and they're constantly responding to emails. I think that's a very stressful thing for people. Do I need to keep this email to get my job done in the future? Will this email give me some knowledge or motivation? You know, those are the kind of questions you can ask yourself when you're dealing with emails. What do you suggest for someone who may have been a print-only person a few months ago, but is now considering making the move to digital? I would say to do it. I would say it definitely is less clutter. There's less paperwork laying around, but I would also want to know why. Why do they want to make this move? Is it a productivity issue? Do they want to be more efficient? I would also know, want to know like, what are your capabilities? I mean, there's so many programs and there's so many apps that you can use to digitize yourself, but I guess this is where, you know, your minimum viable products would come into play. Like what's the easiest thing for you to use right now to help you with this transition? Are you just paying bills online? Can you log on and have them stop sending paper to your house? There's so much to consider when moving to digital. But again, I think that's where your visualization and your goals come into play. And knowing why you want to do something helps you make those decisions. I think that's an interesting one when you think from a business perspective of business desire to drive people to digital. There's so much focus because of the cost savings on let's move people from a print-based experience to a digital experience. You're fundamentally changing the way someone thinks, the way somebody acts. And, And to your point, if they're going to make the move, make sure that it's intentional on their part. Otherwise, the experience could fall apart. Well, that's what happens when you hire an organizer to come to your house and do it for you, right? Eventually, I know so many organizers who are constantly being called back to their clients' houses to reorganize them. I've never been called back because my goal when working with you isn't a tidy house. My goal is to shift your mindset so that you see all that paper in front of you and realize, I never want to get to this point again. Like I've had two clients write books after we're done. I've had clients, you know, take up 
hobbies they never thought they had time for. It just creates so much more space for them. I mean, physical space of getting rid of all the papers. I would leave the mail in the mailbox for days because I just didn't want to deal with it because I didn't know what to do with it when it came in. We pay most of our bills, probably most everything online. I think my landscaper still sends us a bill, which I immediately pull out my phone, pay the bill on my bank app and rip up the paper and throw it away or take a picture of it and file it into my receipts folder on my QuickBooks app. I work with people in their homes and I ask all these questions because until it's their idea, it's not going to work. So I can tell them all the benefits, but until they figure it out for themselves, we could have 700 apps on their phone and it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, great, great points. Now, if we look at those looking for inspiration to begin their own decluttering journey, where would you suggest they start? I would definitely tell them to read the book, The The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, Mm -hmm. or watch the Netflix show if that's easier. The thing with the Netflix show, I, I don't, I feel like it makes it look a lot easier than it actually is. But what I learned during the seminar is that there was actually like three or four consultants on each show helping the people behind the scenes. Because it's, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I always say to my clients, it's like you, all right, you bought that bin from the container store and you're, you just stuck it in your attic. But it's also, it's like suppressing emotions, basically. You know, you're not confronting yourself. You're not confronting your clutter. So again, like I would always say to start with your vision, a vision board, a mental map, whatever it is, write it down, make a Pinterest board, do a scrapbook, draw a picture, whatever it is. Just think about your vision. You need to conceptualize it or else you're just making decisions in isolation. So the Kamari method is really about leaning into what you surround yourself with in your home or your office. And it's about turning your focus on what makes you happy and what you want to keep instead of focusing on what you want to get rid of. It's keeping with intention. It's a muscle you have to build making those decisions. It's going through those papers and creating a space that brings you joy and inspires you. On this podcast, we ask our guests their views on the future of communications. What do you think the future holds for communicating in our growing digital environment? So we were never, quote unquote, allowed to work with clients on Zoom or um, it would never count towards our hours or it was, they actually spoke about it. And now with all this, we are allowed, they've changed their policy and we are doing remote sessions with clients. So right there, just in my business, it's changed. I feel so saturated by communicate, <laughs> communications right now. I feel like there's constantly like Zoom calls, this, that, you know. So I really, a couple of weeks ago, had to take a step back from it all and just say, you know, what's necessary in my life right now? Do I have to be on every Zoom call? Do I have to attend to every text message, every email, you know? Yeah. Said I'm a huge Cal Newport fan. One of his recent blogs, he said, there's like a huge opportunity here where we might notice that our current commitment to unrelenting, uncontrolled, attention-devouring communication is not necessarily exactly what we need. So I'm kind of hoping that just like people are keeping their items with intention, that we're going to start communicating with more intention. Melissa, thank you so much for your insights today. 
Oh, thank you for having me. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs>